0: following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, IBC. I said, good morning, IBC. There you go. Now you're up. It's so good to be back here in this room, which is so special to me. And to my wife, who, Iva, who will be at the second service. This, this staff, this community uh, has meant so much to us over the years. Uh, Pastor Barry, Pastor Andy, Pastor Brian, uh, Crystal, Elba, everybody. There's so many names I could name. I'm just so grateful to be with you here on this morning. Now, I, I want to I I start by this. We came in and uh, we've been here since... Uh, uh, We've been here since last week. When did we get in? We got in Sunday on 4th of July and uh, we we live in Portland now. And of course I I miss Dallas, uh, but I I recognize I didn't miss Dallas enough because, (laughs) or actually there's parts of it that I (laughs) wanted to forget. I drove down 75 I drove down 75, but I was reminded of the traffic. But if you ever complain about the traffic here in, in DFW, in the Metroplex, you haven't seen traffic until you've been to L.A. That traffic is, is out of this world. I mean, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of living in different places. Ministry has taken me all over the country. I've lived in different spots. And by far, L.A. traffic is, is indeed a problem. I used to live. Uh, I was teaching at a uh, academy in San Gabriel. We lived in Rancho Cucamonga. The drive was about 45 minutes regular into the school for work. Uh, but uh, it, on the mornings when you were making the morning co- commute, the drive wasn't 45 minutes. The drive was an hour and a half. And you can imagine the stress and the agitation and, and everything that you would have on a drive like that. And I used to get to work and I would be, I would be complaining (laughs) to my, to my uh, colleagues, to the other teachers about, about the drive. And every single day I was complaining about it and complaining about it and complaining about it until one day one of my colleagues, uh, who used to live out our way uh, she she told me she said Curtly, don't just go down uh, the the 10 you got to go down the 10 and then get off at this exit and take this street and then she she went to explain to me all these other routes i could go to get to work and you you get off here and you make a right here and you do this and 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 i didn't listen to her why because i'm stubborn <laughs> So I didn't listen to her. My wife can attest to the stubbornness sometimes. So I didn't listen to her. And I continued to just go my way and just keep going down the the, the 10 and getting caught in traffic. Sometimes maybe the 210. And and, and I would keep coming in and complaining. And then one day she was tired of my complaining. And she said, currently, I've showed you what to do. And you're still going to face some traffic in the route that I told you to go. But you'll get to work far less frustrated. And she said, she said these words. She said, You can either continue taking your own route or you can choose to go another way. We're in a series uh, this morning entitled Can You Relate, where we're talking about the ways we relate to each other with our friends and our, our, our family, every, everybody really. And today we're talking about how we can relate, uh, to our, our, to those who are in our family. And, and the truth this morning is, is really quite simple that, that to be a human being is to be part of a family. Our position in that family may be as a mother or a father, a sister or a brother Perhaps even as a grandfather or a grandmother. But because all of us in this room are children. Because every person here is, is someone else's child. That means that to be a human being is to be part of a family. And unlike our friends, we can't choose our family. Although at times we wish we could <laughs> We can't swap or our troubled siblings or, or trade our criticizing parents or exchange our irresponsible adult children. What we have is what we've got. By the same token, we can't run away from our families either, right? There's, there's, there's no continent or country. There's no, no city or, or town or school that is far enough to change the fundamental fact that I am a knight. And, and 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 Barry Jones is a Jones, and that you are a Smith, and that you are a tailor. Our familial roots are so strong that, that neither distance nor time will uproot them. Why? Because to be a human being is to be part of a family. As one author says, the familial umbilical cord is infinitely elastic. And since being a part of a family is part of the nature of our humanity, we have to ask, what does a normal family look like? Now now to be clear I'm not talking about uh normal in terms of what constitutes a family right uh uh uh, uh two parents two and a half kids a white picket fence and a dog <laughs> not talking about that I'm talking about family and how we relate to each other What is what does a normal emotionally healthy well functioning family look like And the second I ask that question, the minute it rolls off my lips and you hear it, bells are going off probably in in your heads because we all know the frightening truth that while some are more healthy than others, all of our families are broken. In fact, this is this is really uh, in part the story of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And the legacy of our first parent, uh, Adam, who, who was the first child of God, but who also rebelled against God, our heavenly father. And choosing to believe that God was opposed to his life, he chose animosity over intimacy when he ate from the forbidden tree. You all know the story. And what happens afterwards, if you go back and read it, immediately the antagonism between him and Eve happens. Instantly start blaming each other. And we see the same thing that continues throughout the rest of the book. Cain murders Abel. The resentment of Abraham and Sarah leads them to play favorites between their children, Isaac and Ishmael. In the next generation, the bitter rivalry between Jacob and Esau. And in the generation after that, the hostility of 10 brothers who, sold, who sell their, one of their youngest, Joseph, into slavery. This is what the Apostle Paul says. This is what he means. This is, this is what, he, what he means when he says, Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But we don't even need to go to Scripture. For this right do we right we don't even need to go to scripture uh, to, to really kind of prove and illustrate this point all we need to do is take an honest look at our own families to see the generational pathologies and the dysfunction behind the doors of our well manicured apartments and our beautiful suburban homes are pathologies of parental favoritism and bias antagonism and anger, sibling rivalry and jealousy, emotional and physical abandonment, infidelity, unfaithfulness, rage, resentment. And we try our best to avoid it, don't we, right? We totally try our best to avoid it. We we try our best to, 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 to keep the dysfunction at bay, to keep it underneath the surface so that nobody sees it, even ourselves. But it's always there. And it comes up every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, the animosity, some of you are laughing, so I know I'm telling the truth, right? right? The animosity and the antagonism rises to the surface. Why? Because a normal family is a broken family. And one that we can't exchange. So since this is the case, since this is the reality, right? You tracking with me this morning? Since this is the reality, the question now becomes, how do we relate? How do we relate to our family with its unique dysfunctions? And, 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 and th- to be honest, this is totally complicated. This is so complicated. I, I don't pretend to have all the answers, nor do I think that it's simple or it's easy. Please don't hear me say that this morning. Still, to find the way forward, we have to turn to Jesus. Why? Because if death and brokenness came into the world through Adam our first parent, then the restoration and the redemption can only come through Jesus, who the early church called the second Adam. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus restores humanity not only by saving us from our sin, but by saving us from ourselves, from the ways that we relate in the world. In other words, Jesus models for us a different way to live and he does it even with his family. Three stories, three three principles and three stories, three principles in three stories. Two of the principles I'm going to share sound contradictory and kind of paradoxical because they kind of are. And the last one will bring them together. Three stories, three principles first. Jesus reveals to us that the way to relate to our broken families is through separateness. The way we relate to our broken family is through separateness. Look at this story, Mark 3. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. The crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my mother and sister is is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is in his home region of Galilee where he's healing the sick and performing exorcisms. Yes, Jesus did that. It's in the Bible. His ministry is so effective that people are coming uh, from adjacent towns and crowds are beginning to swamp the house that, where he's, he's doing his ministry. And But after hearing about what Jesus has been saying and doing, look at what happens. His family decides they're going to stage an intervention. And whether they think Jesus is overextending himself or they or they don't agree with his actions, that's unclear in the Bible. But they come unto the scene just a few verses earlier, if you go back and read it in verse 20, and they say that Jesus is beside himself. estame in the Greek. They think he is out of his right mind. So when they send someone into the house... Watch what's happening. See the picture. When they send somebody into the house now, they're not calling him out to talk about the weather. That's not what they're doing. Like all good family members who are concerned, they've come to take Jesus away. That's why they're there. But Jesus knows who he is. And he understands God's mission in the world and and the role that he must play to fulfill it. He has a unique sense of call and is willing to pursue it without the approval or understanding of his family. He has an identity that, that does not exclude his familial attachments. But it's not dependent on it either. Because his primary attachment is to the will and the mission of God. Who says amen to that? In fact, in this moment, uh, that, that seems exclusive. Jesus is actually inviting his family into a new reality based on his, uh, a, a new reality about himself based on his identity in God. That's how Jesus responds to his broken family who's trying to be controlling in this moment. He relates to them with like emotional separateness. Now, to be clear, Separateness does not mean absence or neglect. It does not imply radical, uh, the radical individualism of this age that counsels us just to be you to the exclusion of community. No, separateness, separateness is about. Being able to define ourselves as separate or or unique individuals within relational contexts of love and trust. Family psychologists call this uh, term differentiation. Differentiation, big term. Here's what it means. Here's the definition. The capacity of a family member to define his or her own life's goals and values apart from surrounding togetherness pressures that say I when others are demanding you and we. It includes the capacity to maintain a relatively non-anxious presence in the midst of anxious systems, to take maximum responsibility for one's own destiny and emotional well-being. Here's the, here's the clinch. Here's, here's what it sums down to. The capacity to be an I while remaining connected. That's the key. See, some of us are so emotionally tied uh, into our immediate and extended families that we don't know where they end and where we begin. And as a recovering people pleaser, I call myself a recovering people pleaser. As as a recovering people pleaser myself, like like I totally get it. Like I I really, really do. Everything our, our, our parents pressure us to do, we do. When our siblings say jump, we say how high. Especially for families who are, who are very emotionally connected. If not careful, the connection can masquerade as a type of intermingling, what they call enmeshment. And gone unchecked, that, that close enmeshment with each other can easily lead to manipulation, right? We see it right here in this story. The Bible says a few verses earlier, when his family heard this, they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. But when we're listening to the spirit and responding to the work of God in our own souls. When we're clear about our identity in Christ, that same identity, watch it, it frees us to say no to our parents who are being anxiously, who are anxiously placing their expectations on us. And no to our siblings who are trying to draw us into family squabbles. And no to our extended family who may want to imprint their values on us. Jesus shows us that when we are fully attached to God, we can act with boundaries and self-assurance. We can relate to our family with separateness. I, who is a part of we. Does that make sense? Number two. Not only does Jesus reveal to us that the way to relate to our broken family is through separateness, right? Here goes the the flip. He also reveals that we need to relate to our family with closeness, separateness, and at the same time, closeness. Second story. Here goes John 19. Watch this. I love this thing. By standing by the cross, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his brother's His mother and his mother's sister, rather. Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Look at the scene. Look at the scene now. Jesus is on the cross dying for the sins of the world. Dying to restore God's good creation. This is where his life has been headed the whole time. This is where Jesus' individuality is leading him, right? He, he's, he's fulfilling his call and his mission on earth. This is where his life is going the whole time. And in the midst of doing what he has been called and created to do, he stops dying long enough. To comfort and care for his mother. His words are comforting because. They are recognition that she is in pain. But his words are are caring because. In the ancient world a woman was considered to be the ward to put it nicely. Of her oldest closest living male adult relative. So in, in, in connecting with his so in connecting his mother to the apostle John, watch what he's doing. Jesus is making sure that she won't be homeless or unsupported or left to the whims of society. In the greatest moment, in his greatest moment, Jesus stops what he's doing, connects with his mother during the time of her greatest. Emotional need, closeness, closeness, emotional closeness. Now, closeness doesn't mean that we're the ones doing all the heavy emotional lifting. That doesn't mean that. Nor does it, does it imply that, that we need to be close to a family member. Please hear me. Please hear me. That we need to be close to a family member from whom we may have suffered various types of abuse. And I know that there might be some of those listening on on the internet or or those in this room. And if that's you, that needs to be handled with the most delicate care. And we have people, deacons, and prayer warriors in in the town hall afterwards. Please see them. They can connect you with a professional and help you deal with that wound. So I'm not talking about that. But when all things are equal, closeness looks like... Being a support for our brothers or sisters, even if they have not always been there for us. Closeness looks like, like staying connected to our parents, even when we don't feel like it. It looks like staying, uh, still inviting uh, to dinner that family member with, uh, who is a card-carrying Democrat or the one who always votes Republican. Closest looks like being there for our relatives, though they adhere to a different religion. It looks like being present to our children, though they may share different values than us. Moral values. Whatever disagreements we may have in the past. Whatever issues that still might dominate our family life, closeness looks like not throwing in the towel, not holding anybody in contempt. Closeness looks like remembering that our identities include being connected to we while still being an I. Quickly, I love this story Uh, 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 in uh, one of these these movies that I I, I like from way back in the day, uh, early 80s, uh, Lean on Me with uh, Morgan Freeman, if anybody's seen it. And there's a scene. Morgan Freeman's character—he—he—he's uh, uh, a principal of this high school. And in order to keep drug dr- uh, drug dealers out of the high school, he—this lo- is really illegal—but he locks the doors. The, 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 he changed the doors of the school to keep the drug uh, dealers out. Clearly, this is a fire hazard. Word gets back to the school uh, to the school board. They call a meeting. His best friend, who has been like a brother to him his entire life, is the superintendent—the one that got him the job. And so they're going at it in the, in the, in the, in the meeting about, about the locked doors. And, and, and afterwards Morgan Freeman comes in and, 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 and he's talking to his friend after the meeting is done and they are going at it. They are going at it. I mean, they almost cussed each other out right there on the floor. They've been lifelong, they're family. And he says to him, after they have this little squabble, the superintendent says to him, despite popular opinion, I'm the one in charge here. Now let's go to dinner. No contempt. Closeness. And this is hard, right? Because because oftentimes it's easier to repay antagonism uh, or, 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 or simply just to disconnect, but Jesus shows us a different way. Separateness, closeness. Now, here's the thing that ties them together. A thing that ties these two together, separateness and closeness, right? Is in a broader example, That we see from the life of Jesus. As it applies to the whole family. A whole human family. There's closeness. There's uh, separateness. There's closeness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Just a few minutes before uh, he has this intimate moment with his mother. Jesus looks down upon the Roman soldiers. Who have just ruthlessly flogged and mangled his body. And nailed him to a tree. And he looks at these same soldiers and he says this in Luke 23. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And I've often wondered how Jesus in his humanity could say these gracious words to those who are in the process of killing him. But then recently it dawned on me that perhaps Jesus sees these soldiers. And all those who are responsible for his death, not as individuals, but as a part of a larger system. The soldiers, in other words, are, are, are part of a larger system who are carrying out orders from their superior Pilate. And Pilate uh, uh, and, and, and is part of a larger system because he has to follow the orders of the Roman emperor. And the entire empire is acting like a puppet on the strings of the principalities and powers of darkness of the evil one himself. Perhaps, listen to me, you got to get this. You got to get this. This is key. Perhaps Jesus in his humanity, in other words, is able to see not just the individual, but the larger system and the larger context in which that individual is a part. And in seeing and understanding the larger context. We can relate to each other with forgiveness. Desmond Tutu, uh, Archbishop uh, Tutu, says this. He says we are always at our best when compassion enables us to recognize the unique pressures and singular stories of the people on the other side of our conflicts. Let me tell you the story right quick. My time's going. I got to tell you the story right quick. I was born. I'm the last of three children. My parents divorced when I was very young. I'm from Canada originally. Uh, We moved down to Alabama when I was 10 years old. My mother was raising three kids by herself in in Alabama in the early 90s. Needless to say, I have experienced uh, my fair share of discrimination. My mother's raising these three kids, these three boys by herself. And because of the situation, my mother, my mother, God bless her. My mother wasn't always there. My mother was in school while she was working and raising us. And so there are things that my mother missed. And, and as an, as as, 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 a child growing up, there are, there are hurts and pains that I, that I've had carried into adulthood. And the older I get, the older I get, I recognize My mother was just doing the best that she could with what she had. She was a single mother living by herself, going to school and working, raising us. Of course, she couldn't be there for everything. I've come to understand the larger context of which I was a part, which she's a part. See, our mothers are also daughters and in many cases also a sister to someone else. Our fathers are also sons and in many cases also a brother to someone else. Our sisters and brothers are also sons and daughters themselves, right? And our siblings have their own baggage with their own parents or rather with our parents and our parents have their own baggage with 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 our grandparents with their parents. We all exist within a larger system and within larger contexts. And when we can see that we are part of something larger, it opens the door. For forgiveness and forgiveness doesn't mean that people aren't responsible for their actions or that forgiveness should, should, should happen immediately. And yet it is the key that links and that allows us to relate to our broken families through separateness and closeness. See, forgiveness frees us from, from carrying the emotional baggage of our family members. It it, it releases our loved ones to experience the grace of God through us and allows us to live into our own separateness without guilt. But forgiveness also invites us to renew conversations, to create space for differences of opinion, to coexist, increase learning, warmth to be rekindled and closeness to occur. And the truth is, we, we, can't, we can't be truly separate, can we, right? Without forgiveness. Because, because when we withhold forgiveness, we're still actually emotionally tied to that loved one, albeit negatively. And we can't truly be, be close without forgiveness either. Because, because there will always be something between us and our loved one. Forgiveness is the key that allows to be together. Here is what uh, Ann Grizzle says in her book, Mothers Who Love Too Much. She said, forgiveness enables you to become fully freed from your anger so that you can develop as good a relationship as possible with your parents or siblings. Then you will also be free to move forward positively in other relationships. See, when I When I stopped being stubborn and took that other route that my colleague was talking about, it didn't fix everything now. I'm not gonna say it did. It didn't fix everything. The commute was still long and it still took me a long time to get there, although it was a bit shorter. But there was a lot less traffic, and I was far less agitated. And whiny when I got to work. (laughs) Because my colleague had lived there. She lived where I had lived. She had been where I had been. She had gone through what I had gone through. She had dealt with my same frustrations. And and instead of continuing to be stuck. Taking the same route. I followed her lead. And I found a new way. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus frees us from relating with animosity and antagonism. And through his life, he shows us that we can choose another way through separateness, closeness, founded on forgiveness. This is our invitation this morning. To take the way that Jesus has modeled for us. To take the example that he has lived and live it ourselves. So we come to the table. Which is the very expression of this example. Because when we come to the table and we, and we partake in, in, in communion, we are, we are partaking and participating in the life of Christ. So as we come to the table this morning, as we, as we respond in worship, as we sing our praises, the altar is, is open. You can come and you can kneel and you can, you can pray. And I'm going to ask you to do this and I'm going to get off the stage. I'm going to ask you to do this. When you come and you pray this morning, What do you need to release? How might you need to forgive? How might God need to work in you? Come and lay your burden down and commit to taking the other way. When he was gathered with his disciples up in that upper room, He looked at his his family and he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. and He drank it. He said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way that we eat this bread and we drink this cup. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.